Hi, I'm Debbie from Property Apprentice. In today's podcast, I'm going to be talking about what we see as being potentially the biggest risk in the housing market at the moment. The government made an announcement that they are going to make new build properties tax deductible for 20 years from the date of code compliance certificate being issued, and they're going to backdate that to to the 27th of March, 2020. Okay, so that's great news for people who've already got a new build under contract. Um, For people who are looking at purchasing new builds in today's market, I just think that there's a few alarm bells that you need to be aware of. So with the Reserve Bank restrictions in place, new builds are exempt from those restrictions. So the Reserve Bank restrictions have already increased demand for new builds from both home buyers as well as from investors because you don't need as big a deposit to purchase a new build. Now with the government also confirming that interest deductibility for 20 years on new build investment properties, that means that there's going to be even more demand. So what we're seeing is a lot of mum and dad investors, they now think that new builds have got to be the way to go as far as investment properties go because you can still get the tax deductibility. But what they're not aware of potentially is that the cash flow on those properties is really getting squeezed because we've got home buyers as well as investors that are just racing towards this new build market at a time when we've got shortage of building supply. And so what that means is uh, we've got limited amount of building that can happen at the moment because we've got a restriction on the number of building supplies that are coming into the country. And so there's, there's only so many properties that developers can be building. Cost of building is increasing week by week. So it's almost impossible for, for developers to give fixed price contracts now, especially if it's a long time till completion date, because they've just got no confidence that they're going to be able to actually complete the project on the fixed price that they're providing. So there's less developers that are providing those fixed price contracts. And we've got increased demand, limited supply. It's pushing house prices up, which in turn is reducing the rental returns for new builds as investment properties. So even with the tax deductions available for um, new build as investment properties, it's still not enough to cover the cost of owning those properties in a large number of cases. So, you know, this is what we call negatively geared rental properties. So uh, for those of you that might have heard that term before, negatively geared is basically a rental property that makes a loss and you can get tax benefits because it's making a loss. Now, it's only going to be new builds that you'll be able to do that for because negatively geared existing property, there's no tax deductibility on the interest anymore. So negatively geared existing properties are a horrible investment Negative geared new builds are still a horrible investment because you're essentially spending a dollar to save 30 cents. But because the ring fencing rules now mean that you don't get that as a tax refund, it just gets carried forward as a loss. You don't even get the 30 cents back. So you're spending a dollar to save 30 cents, but you don't get the 30 cents. Does that make sense? So what these changes are doing is actually increasing the divide between the rich and the poor. You know, the only people who are going to be actually able to afford to purchase new builds as rental properties are people on high income because they can afford to top things up. Most mum and dad investors are not wealthy. 
you know, so having to cover the cost of their own mortgage as well as topping up a new build rental property because it's negative cash flow, even after tax, then it just becomes unviable for a lot of them. So I just wanted to point out that just because something has tax deductibility doesn't make it a good investment all on its own. It becomes even less fun if you're topping a rental property up out of your own back pocket each week and then what happens if values stay stagnant or if they start to fall in value? You know, if you're topping up a rental property out of your own back pocket each week and the value's also dropping, that sucks the fun out of investing quicker than you can blink, okay? So there are different options out there. There are rental properties in the existing property market that do cover their costs even after tax. So, you know, if unless you're a particularly high income earner, there are better options out there. And I would say that probably 95% of the people that we talk to, new builds are not the best option for them. So I'm not saying that new builds are a bad idea. It's just that you've got to have particularly high income to actually make it a viable option. And something for people to remember is that towards the end of every property boom, there's always some developers that go broke. So, you know, what we're seeing now is timeframes to completion are extending, you know, out to two years, if not longer. And the problem that we've got there is that lenders can't give pre-approvals to last until completion dates, especially if it's not a fixed build contract. So, you know, it becomes a real a cluster, you know, of potential issues because if you've got house prices increasing, you know, and developers are increasing the purchase price even on properties that are under contract uh, because they've put sunset clauses in a lot of them, which allows them to increase the purchase price if they need to. So you might find yourself unconditional on a contract and then the developer will come back and go, oh, actually now the price is going to be this much or the property that we originally thought we were going to build, we can't do that now. So to reduce the cost, we're going to change the spec on that. So make sure that you get your lawyer to check the contract on a new build before you sign it. Don't just accept what is handed to you. Okay. Like I said, lenders can't get pre-approvals to last until the completion date. So what happens come completion is that you've got to get a registered valuation on that new build. And um, then the banks will lend on purchase price or registered valuation, whichever figures lowest. But also with interest rates increasing, it means that your ability to get lending approved is reducing because the banks will use higher test rates than the current interest rates. So when interest rates increase, banks will lend you less than what they would have when interest rates were lower. So you might find that you could be in a period, especially if it's not due to be completed for a long time, that when you reapply for lending, you won't qualify for lending anymore. So you'll be unconditional on a property and you won't be able to settle it. It's the return of blue chip for those of you that remember the blue chip days. And, and this happens at every cycle. There's always some developers go broke. There's always buyers that lose their deposit and potentially worse um, because they can't get finance to complete the purchase that they're unconditional on. So it is a period of risk. And I think it is something that the government has created and made worse at a time when we've got a shortage 
of new builds available. They've increased demand in one sector of the housing market, which increases demand, increases prices there. What we tend to see is that whenever new builds are increasing in value, the rest of the properties in the neighbouring areas also increase in value, just not necessarily at the same pace. So it is making the wealthy wealthier and the lower income people are the ones that are going to suffer the most because what we're seeing now is that landlords are being forced to increase their rents as much as they possibly can as often as they can, which is once a year. With rents on the increase, that makes it harder for low-income people who are renting it makes it harder for people who are renting that are trying to save up a house deposit. You know, it's just a comedy of errors. I think we're actually going to end up in a situation where we've got overcrowding in those um, low income areas because we'll have families moving in together. You know, people having family members sleeping in the lounge just to have extra income earners to help cover the cost of the rent. Overcrowding is not good for anybody, certainly not good for the health system either, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Pandemic. So my personal opinion is that these tax changes were poorly thought out. In fact, the government was advised by both Inland Revenue and the Ministry of Housing and Urban Development not to do this, you know, and they went ahead and did it anyway. So I think it was quite short-sighted and I think the implications of this are going to be pretty huge. However, it is one of those things that, you know, is likely to be the problem for the next government further down the track to sort out, because we all know that governments in New Zealand tend to turn over every few terms, so it will eventually become the next government's problem. What can you do about that? Frustrating, but it is what it is, and I just wanted to make sure that people don't just assume that because something's tax deductible that it makes it a good investment because there are other options out there. All right, thanks for listening.